Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back, everybody. It's good to have you. Uh, We're excited uh, to be here today with Sister Becca Harvey. Uh, who is a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, a student of mine. Uh, what else of mine? Just a buddy. Pal. <laughs> <laughs> a pal. Uh, and I'm just so excited to have her with us. She has such a unique position here at the Institute in Boise um, with all the things that she's doing and uh, and teaching uh, in, the, in the seminaries locally here as well. So I'm just going to turn a minute over to you, and you just tell us about you, where you're from, what what you're doing in town here, and and uh, what your roles are with S and I here. Okay, sounds good. So I grew up in a small town in Southern Oregon. Okay. Uh, so I like like called what? Oh, it's called Roseburg. Okay, shout out to those of you in Roseburg that are listening to Becca. Yeah, I love those <laughs> people so much. Um, and yeah, I love cows and all the small towns. Good, things. fun. Um, and then I went to college at Utah State. Okay. Graduated in 2020. And started teaching seminary in fall of 2019. Okay. So I've made it through all four books. Great. I started in Yay. the New Testament. We've made it back to the New Testament. Good. So, and you got a degree in? Adolescent development. Perfect for and seminary teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And your current assignment in town here is what? So I'm an adaptive needs teacher. Perfect. So I teach at two different high schools, but I only get to teach our sweet angels that have some special needs, yeah. and it is the best. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, it, that is a, a program that has really just ramped up in the last five years, maybe, Yeah. Um, to what it is now. And I think most high schools have uh, at least a class um, yeah. that is adaptive needs now. We have, I think there are four or five at the Institute between Boise and Napa here in town. Um, working with our young adults, um, I know Brother Gagnon uh, does a lot with them, and yeah, so good for you. It's fun. Thank you. So you also have some roles as an institute student here. Yeah. So, so tell pretty us about much that. my whole life is seminary and institute. Yeah, so I right. teach during the day, and then I'm in grad school at night. So I'm still technically a student. I'm yeah. at the institute a lot, um, and I'm in the institute presidency. Yeah. So I get to help plan. All things things. at the Institute, Um, which is really fun. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, We spend a lot of time talking about how to improve things and just what things are going well. um, And that's all in between the grad school that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, What are you getting a master's in? Counseling. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. So I just, again, for those of you that don't know Becca, uh, you're in for a treat. It's exciting to, to have you here today. Um, I love that you're a sister. We, <laughs> we just don't have a ton of sisters in that are working for uh, seminaries and institutes right now. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to get all, all of you that are local here uh, plugged into this, this semester here. So, so excited to hear your perspective on Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. But maybe uh, we talked before that maybe we'll spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 5. Yeah. Um, tell me why, what about Luke chapter 6 is just maybe you're going to st- focus here. Well, so just in general, Matthew 5 is more of the story. Yeah. Um, the the account of what happens and Luke chapter six covers the logistics yeah. and as someone who 
prefers a story over logistics. I right. just thought, let's just <laughs> stick stay with the good stuff. Good. Yeah, right, so. good. So there is more in six that you could go and study. We'll stay mostly in five today uh, for those of you that are listening. And uh, this is the sermon, the sermon that the Savior gives. He gives it uh, here in uh, in the New Testament, but he also gives it in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Um, and so it's worth some time to go and to cross-reference some things there. Uh, I don't know how much time you'll plan to spend with us doing that, if any, but but it, it just uh, on the onset, it's worth worth knowing that you could go study it there too. And, and if anything has been um, corrected in, in Revelation, maybe it's yeah. there. I, I don't know. But yeah. So start us. Where would, uh, what, what would you want us to know as we jump in into Matthew chapter 5? Yeah. So as I thought about what I know that could be helpful, I got a little nervous okay. because I'm young, right? <laughs> and I'm not like some expert, sure. but I do love the scriptures and I especially love the New Testament. And so as I was thinking about what I could share that's been helpful to me, there are a few things that I do differently when I study the New Testament that have helped me have a really elevated experience oh, in the great. scriptures. And yeah. so this um, account is like the perfect place to practice it. Okay. And so one thing I've invited my students and FSY students to do in the past when we're in the New Testament is to really imagine yourself walking with the Savior, hmm. right? Like this book, we just finished the Old Testament, the Savior was not present, present there. Yeah. And we'll have the Book of Mormon, and the Savior's present in some parts of the Book of Mormon, right. but He's not physically there. Yeah. And same thing with the Doctrine and Covenants, but the New Testament is so special that He is literally here. Mm -hmm. And in every page, you get to sit at His feet or walk with Him. Huh. And so, Today, we're going to sit at his feet, but I want you to picture yourself right there yeah. because it becomes a whole different game, a whole different sermon when all of a sudden, it's not just the 12 apostles sitting on some random mountain with Jesus, yeah. and it's you sitting at his feet, right. thinking about what your mission is. Yeah, that's really cool. Forward. That's really cool. I, I love the idea of... Um, thinking about how the disciples, when we when we get outside of the 12 apostles, right, that maybe even at this point haven't really been established. Yeah. Um, but but the disciples um, that are following the Savior around, that at times was a big group yeah. uh, to be around him. And 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 maybe it's interesting, and I love the I love the the mindset that you're putting us in. Maybe it's interesting as we study to consider what type of a student we would be yeah. if the Savior were the teacher, right? And 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 if the Savior were the teacher like your Sunday school teacher, who you know and you've walked around with for the last, I don't know, 40 days, and mm -hmm. you know, you you're just around them all the time. How what kind of a student are you? It was interesting on Sunday I, I got to be in a, a YSA ward and I sat just in the back, kind of in a corner. And I had a little bit of a bird's eye view of this the the young people in front of me. And no, not you. You weren't there. Don't don't worry. Oh, this is like, not you were at my ward. <laughs> no. Um I, I wasn't seeing you, but um uh, I, I I was going to teach the second hour class, and so I oh, came to the sacrament it. meeting that that uh, that class or to that ward, and and as I sat in the back and I was listening to the the high councilman from the stake speak, a wonderful talk about the temple and how we ought to get ourselves to the temple more mm -hmm. frequently, uh, and very directed towards young single adults who, you know, maybe haven't all gone through uh, for their endowment yet. Maybe they still are going for baptisms. Yeah. One way or another, they can go, right? And so mm -hmm. everybody in the room, it should have been a very uh, a very present thing. And I don't think this was true about everybody in the room, but the but the three young, young adult men I could see in front of me were all on a phone playing a game <laughs> in the middle of a sacrament, right? And and I, I don't, I don't, 
pretend that we would all be that way if it was a savior. I know that we get distracted. I th- our phones is a whole discussion we could have on our, on our own. But, but as you invite us to sit at the Savior's feet, I wonder how many people sitting at the Savior's feet get so distracted by their tablet Right yeah. in the Savior's time, or or taking notes, they're so they're so wrapped up into taking notes, they miss the Spirit that's present. Yeah, or they get lost in their phone, or they're just not paying attention. They don't want to be there that day. They're just there, right? Yeah. And so maybe as we as we sit at His feet, it's more than just be present with Him. It's be present with the message and be present with the Spirit, right? Yeah, and being aware, right? Yeah. Like today on this podcast, we're going to talk about some pungent truths. Sure. And like, pay attention. Right in counseling, we talk about somatic responses, mm. physical responses your body has to external stimuli. Yeah. In this case, it's going to be truth. Yeah. And when you notice, like, oh, I felt that. Yeah. What did we say? Go back. Take note of that. Why did you have that reaction? Sure. Because that is often the spirit teaching us something. Yeah. Something needs to change in your life, or maybe you're being affirmed in something you're doing well. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I love it. I love that as our invitation. We're now sitting at the Savior's feet uh, on the side of a hill, and yeah. uh, uh, the the sea is behind us. And maybe maybe we can look out and see that as we sit here with Him. Yeah. Uh, so jump us in. Where would we start? What do you want to? So I think in Matthew five, right? If we start in verse three with the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. which if you jump down to that footnote three um, a, okay. it talks about what Beatitude means. Mm. I'd never looked at that. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> It was a major insight there. Will you it read that? It says, the Latin beatus is the basis of the English beatitude, meaning to be fortunate, to be happy, or to be blessed. Huh. So my interpretation of that is, if we do these things, we will be fortunate, happy, and blessed. Yeah. I don't know anybody that's not like, <laughs> I want those sign, things. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. So then as I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, I want to really make note of these blessings, mm. because if I can internalize them and become what I need to, yeah. to receive the blessings. Yeah. That seems like an easy thing if I want those other blessings to be fortunate yeah. and happy and blessed. Yeah. So there are a few that stood out to me in particular, and maybe there are some different ones that stood out to you as we go through them. Um, but especially just with the times, and I think as a young adult, I'm excited to be on here as a young adult. Sure. Because I'm, I'm living. Yeah. What the rest of you are living. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not 50. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like 24. Right. So, um, so, the, so the relevance for a young single adult is present with you. I think so. Whereas for me, <laughs> I have to look back and be like, okay, what was relevant for me when I was 25, right? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I love the, I love the same I thing. I mean, like, I might be thing. a freak of nature, but, yeah. you know, they <laughs> you can't talk back. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are not. I love it. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, the first one, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if we think about what does it mean to be poor in spirit, we if you look at the footnotes and things like that, you learn it means to be humble. Sure. So I don't know too many young adults that are really struggling with humility. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us are like trying to gain some confidence. Right. Yeah. But hey, hmm. if you are humble, you get the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think humility is such an interesting component yeah. um, of of uh, charity, right? It's a, it's part of, of having charity. And I think uh, sometimes we get wrapped up in, we think that humility is uh, self-abasement, Yeah. right? We think that when someone comes up after a talk or something and says, well done, that was so good. We think we need to downplay what yeah, we like just were off. able to do 
or that the Spirit taught us some things, right? Maybe, maybe our efforts to be humble sometimes are a little disingenuous yeah. because we're, we're not really focusing on what humility is, yeah. what it means. Because I don't know if we all understand, right? Yeah. I had a teacher once at, when I was in institute at a different university tell me humility is when you give all credit to God. Uh. And it was much easier for me to say when someone said, oh my gosh, you sang so beautifully. Or, oh my gosh, I loved your talk to say, I'm so grateful God gave me that ability. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to be like, hug, yeah, right. thank you. <laughs> yeah. I thank could just you. say like, I am so grateful that I have a God that gave me that. Right. Yeah. And they weren't weird about it and I wasn't weird about it. And it was this moment where I really understood my char the character of our God better. Yeah. Because I realized he had given me something rather than like, I worked so hard. Yeah. You well, it's, it's a savior too, right? The savior, yeah. when people are coming and praising him and 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 pointing to him in his life, especially he pointed past him to the to the father, right? Yeah. And and helped people see who to pray to, mm -hmm. um, and and that humility that he must have had and did have, right? To to be the greatest amongst everyone and know yeah. it, oh. and yet still point past him to God, right? Yeah. Even though he was going to be the person who could save us and did save us all, right? Mm -hmm. And he knew that at some point he had to have known that, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, and the, yet, he never pointed to himself. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Literally the only person who ever lived that has a completely perfect life. Right. And yeah. all the credit never went, went to God. To yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. The love other that. beatitude that has the same promise that you'll receive the kingdom of heaven is those that are persecuted. Huh. And I thought that was really interesting that those were the only two out of the whole list of huh. nine that have the same promise. Yeah, that really is. It makes you wonder if there's a method being taught to us in how to be persecuted. Mm -hmm. If if humility is attached to the same blessing, then maybe humility is how we ought to receive persecution in humility. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's cool. I, did, I never made that connection. Well, I'm thinking about all the people that have been persecuted right now. Yeah. I look around. I stopped watching the news. I gave it up. Yeah. It wasn't good for me. <laughs> and... <laughs> I have been very amazed at the, those that have been persecuted and how they have received it yeah. and really been in awe of it. Like, wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. You're just going to keep going and doing the right thing. Yeah. Like, I'd be throwing a hissy fit. Right, yeah. Are you kidding me? I'd be so mad. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think you know, and it's interesting the order that these come in, right? They, yeah. They come in in verse 3 with poor and then uh, those that mourn in verse 4 and those that are meek. Yeah. So, so it's almost like in, in our modern day society, we might look at those first three, the, those that pour, those that, are, that mourn, and those that are meek, as maybe, um, oh, it's wrong, but the dregs of our society fit that mold, right? And like, yeah. whoa, what? <laughs> but, yeah. but that's maybe, we, we don't think of my neighbor who comes to church with me as poor yeah. or meek or maybe even mourning even yeah. though her life is probably going through stuff like all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting the way that they're ordered here. And and again, the next one, those that hunger and thirst, yeah. but after righteousness, mm -hmm. right? And then we get to those that are merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Right? <laughs> like that's a powerful thing. How, how often do we wake up and think like, how am I going to be merciful today? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and how many other blessings, how many other actions, no, 
how many other blessings are a, a result of our acting in the same thing? Yeah. Right? Like, like how many of us are like, I'm going to be kind and I will receive kindness. Yeah. Right? Or, or whatever. But that is a really interesting one, especially when we think about the, the judgment. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm merciful in how I view others, then I will be merciful. I will be treated mercifully in the, in the next life. Yeah. Uh, direct connection, right? Like but, the only one that is the uh, same word. Yeah. In two different forms. Yeah. I have a personal motto that I've had since high school that came to me in a, a priesthood blessing mm -hmm. that encouraged me to be quick to serve and slow to judge. Mm, that's cool. And I think about it a lot. And I'm always disappointed at how quickly I judge. <laughs> and then I have to think, no, it's not even my job. Yeah. My job is only to love. Right. That's it. Yeah. We have someone that will do the final judgment. Yeah. That's it. Because he did that, I don't ever have to judge. Yeah. I can just love you. And if I choose to extend that mercy, I will receive the blessing of his mercy yeah. in the end. That's so well said. And I think that it's worth saying, and, and maybe we've talked about this on the podcast before, but... Um, Elder Oaks gave a talk in 1996 about judging and, and ju mm -hmm. the difference between judging and, and being judged or mm -hmm. judgment. Yeah. And ju I think it's called uh, judgment and judging. Yeah. And he talks about how, you know, you and I are asked to judge regularly because we, we have to pick our friends, right? And so in order to do that, I pick people that have similar values. I, I choose, um, you know, I judge all the time. Um, in dealing with someone's circumstance or uh, uh, seeing someone going through some trial in some trial, I might look at their life and judge their life, ju judge their experience. That isn't the judgment that um, the Lord is inviting us to not partake in. Yeah. But the but the judgment that is any kind of a final. Hey, this is this is what's going to happen to you because of yeah. this. Other than maybe some consequences that might come into your life if you continue down that road, right? I think yeah. that would be an appropriate. Or making decisions about someone's character because sure. you think you know them better. Right. Yeah, like that's you did well that said. thing. Oh, now I think this about your character, right. who you are at your core, because I think I'm best. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing I've learned about judgment most maybe is if it if my awareness of someone else's actions or clothing or anything, yeah, if my awareness of that goes beyond the identification of right or wrong to change my behavior towards them, mm -hmm. then I'm judging them incorrectly. Yeah. Right? But but I think it's okay to say, hey, that's probably not something we should do. Yeah. And and be able to judge that. But I love the I love the connection that that if I'm willing to to judge correctly, judge righteously mm -hmm. in the in the trans the right translation, right? That that I will then have that same judgment meted out to me. Yeah. Pretty I remember cool. being a freshman in college just a personal experience here and I dyed a piece of my hair blue oh yeah and I like thought I was so cool Rebe I was like, going to institute every day yeah. no one needed to be concerned about me <laughs> at all but I did have a streak of blue hair yeah. and I remember <laughs> my bishop pulling me into his office I was new right I was a sure. freshman sure and he was like sister Harvey I'm really worried about you oh and I like laughed at his of face your, your piece of blue hair oh, I didn't know why he was concerned about me yeah. first I was like <laughs> Oh, I've known like, you for a week. Why? Yeah. And I was like, what did I do? And he was like, well, your hair. <laughs> and I giggled. I was like, oh, Bishop, I go to church every Sunday. I go to institute. Like I take an institute class every day. I'm I was good. I'm good. Yeah. And in that moment, I, I decided like, I'm going to see people that live their lives different than me, yeah. whether it's blue hair yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I want to get to know them. 
before I even let my brain have a thought about what right. they're different. Yeah, for sure. Or how they're different from me. It is interesting, you know, in that in that exact in that exact scenario, for example, there are some cultural reasons that maybe people do things like that, right? Yeah. And so I think because of our culture, we have a tendency to assume yeah. that person is associated with that cultural element, right? It's yeah. the 70s long hair. Yeah. Right? The, the Beatles were like rebels <laughs> because they had long hair, right? And they yeah. were clean cut. And and I think I think the the same is true in our culture. Our cultural our culture teaches us to look at each other and judge and yeah. place us in boxes, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't know that we're always wrong in doing that. Yeah. I think we're always wrong to do that, but I don't know that we're, our assessment of someone is always wrong yeah. in that they're putting themselves in that bo that category by doing the thing that they're doing, right? Whatever. But I don't know that it's always right either. And yeah. so I love your message to just, I'm just going to know them before I yeah. put them in a box. Because once you know them, I found it like I don't every, like I don't even want to put them in a box. I'm yeah. like, they're just this person. Yeah. And I just love them. They don't fit that box anyway. Yeah. Like right. there isn't a box. Yeah. They are just yeah, who good. they are, you know? Yeah. I like that. I like that. Cool. Um, continue on. What else? What I feel else like this leads really, really coolly. That's not a word, but into the sixth one, pure, the, those that are pure in heart see God. Mm -hmm. And the footnote takes us to Helaman 3.35. Mm, take us there. Which says, nevertheless, nevertheless, they did fast and pray oft and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation. Mm. Yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. Mm. Our hearts become pure when we know God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I, I, my mind went when I was reading 30, 30, what was that again that you were reading? Helaman 3.35. Yeah, I, was, I looked at 35, followed you for a minute, and then my eyes glanced back at 27. Yeah. Where uh, it says, Thus we see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will, in the sincerity of their hearts, call upon his name, right? Mm -hmm. That idea of the Lord seeing us in, in our purest form yeah. and, and looking on our hearts mm -hmm. identifies those that are um, pure in heart, right? Yeah. That he looks on our heart and he can tell. That's mm -hmm. in, in that way, uh, Christ is the judge, right? That mm -hmm. Christ can look at my heart and know who I was wanting to follow, even if I failed miserably at doing it, right? Yeah. That he knows me, and in that sense, he's the judge. He's the final judge. Mm -hmm. He knows whether he's going to put his arm around me at the last day and say, Matt's one of mine, right? Yeah. As opposed to me walking in like, I don't want your help. And, mm -hmm. and the Savior at that point having to judge, he didn't want my help mm -hmm. and still doesn't. Yeah. And then the father being the final judge saying, well, then this is the outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. I love that. But but the Savior having that added insight into my heart because he felt my heart mm -hmm. as he went through the atonement, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, super cool. Pretty cool. I love that visual. Okay, hmm. then the next one. Oh, I, this one I like had to highlight a few times because it just made me so excited that the peacemakers are the children of God. Mm. If we look at the scriptures, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Mm. Mm. We need peacemakers. Yeah. I, uh, there's, there's just a few people in my program at school. It's a small cohort. Mm -hmm. There's like 12 people that are specifically looking at the kind of counseling I want to be mm -hmm. doing. And we get trained to ask questions that make people think. 
Which is a really nice way of saying like you can sometimes be contentious. Sure. Because you want to stir the pot all yeah. the time. Which is what right. makes you good question askers yeah, sure. in a counseling setting. Sure. But one day I was like, what could I do to like make everyone in my room that I like go to school in like peaceful for one moment? Yeah. So I just started complimenting them and telling them the things I loved about them. And they did not know what to do at first. <laughs> like they were like, uh, thank, thank thanks, you. Becca. Thank it was like really nice of you. Okay. <laughs> But it changed everything. We need peacemakers so badly. Yeah. And I think it could be fun to discuss for just a minute. Like, what makes a peacemaker? How do we do that? Well, yes. but And, and as we start that conversation, I think it's important to see what we are, will be, what we will become. Yeah. Children of God, right? If if our ultimate objective is to become like him, yeah. right? And, and he it would be the ultimate peacemaker. Sometimes I think we see God as not a peacemaker. Yeah. Like, he comes down to fix it yeah right? but why why is he coming down when he does the flood for example he wants peace on earth and so he comes and takes away the the conflict and the trial and the challenge yeah. not always but um but the times that he comes down and sends the savior to to, to fix mm -hmm. right it's for peace it's so that we'll have peace in our hearts that we'll have the eventual peace in eternity um and so we we literally become um his hands mm -hmm. and his um him on earth right yeah. as we become that so we can then be called children of god but i love your question um what makes us uh what what causes us to be a peacemaker what actions do we take that that help us do that i think is mm -hmm. it's interesting thought I have, I have a class um answering gospel questions last night i taught uh, that class and, and the topic of contention came up mm -hmm. and uh we read some quotes from uh, a couple of different apostles about how uh, conflict is inevitable, mm -hmm. but um, that but, but contention is not of the Father, right? It's not of, of, yeah. the, of the Savior, and and so the the idea that um, a test of our ability to follow the Savior is how we handle contention. Yeah, are we Christ-like in when there's conflict? Because if I if I always go to the contention side, then maybe I'm not handling it like the Savior would handle it, mm -hmm. and so it's a really good indicator of our of our willingness to follow the Savior and, and be Christ-like. Yeah. Uh, just what do we do with contention when it, when it mm -hmm. exists? Interesting. Yeah, and wh what position am I in when I receive a situation that feels conflicting? Yeah. yeah. Right. The Savior listened the to the whole thing. Yeah. And then he would think, and then he would speak. And it was always something profound. Right. We could probably be profound if we took a second. Yeah. But we're so quick. We live in a fast society, which I think is pretty fun. Sure. I'm, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. But when situations come up where someone thinks differently than me or feels differently than me or had an experience that was so different from my own that it's hard for me to comprehend, I have to stop. Yeah. And allow space to feel that. Yeah. And to think it through. And search for truth. Yeah. Right? What What is the truth here? And, and I think the Holy Ghost, according to the Book of Mormon, can teach you the truth of mm -hmm. all things. So you have to give him time yeah. to help you understand that person's perspective mm -hmm. so that you can feel the truth of, yeah. of where that really is. It was interesting in the, in the discussion last night, um, we spent some time thinking about contentious places in our life. Oh, yeah. And that certain circumstances, certain settings, certain groups of people that we're around mm -hmm. are more contentious <laughs> than others that I'm going to feel contention more in some places than others. For example, 
it's way easier for me to feel contention at home than it is at work. Here, I try really hard to like <laughs> not let anything ruffle me, right? Yeah. Because um, because of the setting that right we're we're at a in an institute building <laughs> trying to like bring the spirit of the Lord to the to everyone that we see, right? Yeah. And then I go home and I'm tired and I'm worn out and my kids are Hungry. acting a fool because they're whatever all that day, right? Yeah. And I let my guard down in how I treat them. Yeah. And so home is off, at least for me, is a place that I have to be more careful in how I allow contention or I am not as much a peacemaker. Yeah. There, right? Uh, there's a there's a little there's a little test, uh, the scripture about um uh, about uh uh charity. Mm-hmm. Charity suffereth long and is not, right? If you take the word charity out of that and you reread that verse with your own name inserted in it, Matt is, or Matt suffers long. No. <laughs> Matt, right? And depending on the circumstance I'm in or the place I put my brain, yeah. I may or may not be more charitable in those places. Mm-hmm. And I think the same holds true for being a peacemaker. Matt yeah. in this setting is much more of a peacemaker than in that setting, right? Yeah. To know that is so important when I go into those settings. Yeah, because then you can have a game plan. Yeah. Right? Like... The Savior had a plan. Yeah. There's a song by the band um, Kane. Okay. They're three siblings. Yep. They're amazing. Yep. They have a song, and one of the lyrics says, I, you have a purpose, and I have a plan. Mm. Like the Savior is speaking to sure. me. Yeah. And I, when I heard that the first time, I was like, that is so right. Yeah. I do have a, a purpose here, and it's to become like the Savior, yeah. and He has a plan to help me do that. Right. So when I have a, a shortcoming, because uh, sometimes I might get a little spicy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have a plan. Yeah. Because people are going to say things that are going to make me make a snap judgment sure. or action. But if I have a plan, then when that happens, I'm like, oh, okay, now I yeah. need to do to become more like the Savior we, in this moment. Yeah, I think we do that by default in some circumstances. When I know I'm going to be around a certain person <laughs> yeah. in my family, I know how I'm going to react when crazy goes off, right? Yes. And so I do that in places where it matters to mm-hmm. not have contention or that I know that it's going to be there and I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. But I don't have a plan in places that are maybe the most important to me yeah. at home, right? That I don't have a plan for when I'm feeling that. What do I do? Yeah. What am I going to do different, right? Maybe we need to create those plans to be more of a peacemaker. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. My family had a conversation. I was not the peacemaker in my home growing up. <laughs> like, maybe that's not surprising people, but... Yeah, that so surprises me. I have a sweet sister who's five <laughs> years younger than me that in her sweet baby blessing was blessed to be a peacemaker, and oh, she has been Sure. F- for our family. Sure. She's very introverted, which helps. Uh-huh. I'm very extroverted, which is probably why I wasn't right. the peacemaker. Yeah, right. Um, but... We had this conversation as a family a lot growing up, like how do we find peace in our home? And it was really important to my mom that we had a home that had peace in it. And I wasn't the only loud child. So it was like important that we had this conversation a lot. And we started to make plans. Like, What are we gonna do? When mom says something that I think is absolutely stupid, (laughs) and I'm 16 and think I know everything, (laughs) what's my plan to not tell her I think she's stupid? Yeah. And it started to work. Now we're 10 years past that. True. And it has gotten so much better, but I think it's also important to remember that we have an entire lifetime right. to perfect these. And sometimes it's super easy to say, I failed. Yeah. I suck. Yeah. And you don't. And Jesus doesn't think you do. Right. And he has a plan, right? Well, and, and sometimes maybe the plan is for us to fail and us to repent and us to fix, yeah. right? And, and maybe as I become more of a peacemaker, 
the objective is to recognize it and then figure out how to go correct it. Yeah. And I think that's as important as knowing how to do it right the first time, right? Yes. That we know how to have conversations after the fact when we have failed mm -hmm. um, that help people know that we're, we are just yeah. trying, right? Yeah. yeah. Earthly failure is yeah. just heavenly learning. Yeah. Ooh, and if like we that. can internalize that. Say that like, again. Earthly, earthly failure is just heavenly learning. Huh. I like that. When you internalize that, when you fail, it's like, Okay, here we go. Learning that thing. I just tallied another <laughs> point of learning in heaven. May count, everyone. I like that. I like I'm that. at a lot of points, just so everyone knows. <laughs> That's fun. Oh, man. Well, the Beatitudes you. are just so great. Yeah, they really are. Um, the last two verses are the last Beatitude. Right. And my notes just make me giggle. Uh, I wrote, when people are nasty to you, your reward is great in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the... It's those that persecute you for righteousness' sake and those yep. that persecute you and revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you, right? Mm-hmm. For my sake is the is the connection there. But but yeah, that, that's good. Say that again then. <laughs> my version is when people are nasty to you, your reward in heaven is really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. It's really great. Yeah, I think that's important to remember. It's hard to remember that, right? Yeah. And and I think some of it is, as I as I understand mercy and I and I get to know people around me, I want mercy for everybody. I yeah. want this guy who totally wronged me. Mm -hmm. I ultimately want Heavenly Father to be able to forgive him, yeah. that the atonement works in his life, that even though it hurt my feelings and all these things, eventually I get past that and I can look at that guy and say, I want that for you. Yeah. And so then I think, okay, well, how's it made right in the next life? And, and, and gratefully, we don't know that. We don't know how his hurting of me is going to be made right for me and punish him. I don't. That's not something I want even. But somehow I don't want there to be like the heavens open for all, and there's everybody is just equally welcomed, even though we lived <laughs> completely different lives, right? I, I, I want there to be justice, yeah, for the things that I've had to go through because of people's bad choices and things like that. Yeah, and I think that's where I sometimes struggle is I want everybody there, but I also want. I, I want to be able to forgive and know that Heavenly Father is going to make it right, and I don't know how. And so, yeah. I, and so I, I get stuck there sometimes feeling like, how could this possibly be made right? Be, be made right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I haven't even had that thought, so yeah. that's really cool. I'll tell you, when I'm in similar situations, last year something really hard happened in my life, and it was hard for me to forgive that person. Sure. Yeah. And it's still a prayer. Sometimes I have to like, Heavenly Father, today is a hard day. Right. Like, help me forgive them again. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I guess I, my... My mind was just wired. I just know they were forgiven. Yeah. Like Jesus came. Yeah, and, and none of us are, none of us, if we got to be in their judgment, yeah. we would not be like, get him, God. Get him. Like, that's just not how we are. We, we see that guy and we're like, oh man, please help him, right? Yeah. But at the same time, on the flip side of that coin, I want that guy that hurt you last year to have some consequence for it. Yeah. And to, and to, I don't really, though. Then I think about the Savior going through it, and I'm like, well, if the Savior suffered it, why do I want that guy to suffer it yeah. too, right? Well, and then but, I think, <laughs> like, back. Why did he do that? Yeah. Something happened to him. He paid a price. Right. And that's why he's acting this way. But also, my prayer now is, Heavenly Father, help my heart. Yeah. He he had a rough go, which is why he did that. And it doesn't make it okay. Yeah. And it didn't make it not hurt. Sure. But... You've got him just as much as you've got me. And yeah. right now, I just need you to heal my heart so right. that I can move on. Yeah, That's been taken care of. Like, you took care yeah, of me. that's good. And you're going to take care of him. 
can you just help my heart? Yeah, that's good. And, and I think, uh, I think was it Elder Holland that said, we don't want to be known for the worst things that we did in life. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, that's not I don't want to be known want. for the saltwater taffy I stole from Wayne when I was in first grade. Like, <laughs> it still makes me like get a little sweaty yeah. thinking yeah, about that's, it. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, and I, I, you know, while I say that and we, and we laugh a little bit about that, that idea of not wanting God to get him. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a feeling that require, in some circumstances, really requires a lot mm. to not feel like get them God yeah because in my life I have not had abuse circumstances I have not had you know uh, I've had some hard things yeah uh, loved ones killed in uh, drunk driving accidents mm. and my children maimed in those accidents um, but even in that setting for me where I am I don't want God to get them yeah um, but I don't know that that's fair to say for everyone and I think it takes time I yeah. think sometimes and maybe it takes a savior in the next life helping us understand yeah um, to get to that point so so in in saying all that I don't want to be insensitive to to those that have had similar experiences or those kinds of experiences that would yeah. really be difficult to get to that point where, in where we want justice yeah and I think that's very normal yeah right like if we look at the grief cycle and all those yeah. things that my counselor brain goes to, yeah, that's normal. Yeah, and isn't it maybe that's what, what he's saying here, right? Is, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you for falsely for you falsely for my sake. Yeah. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Mm -hmm. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Yeah. I know what's going on on earth. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be okay. Yeah. And, and you're in good company. Right, yeah. And, and yeah, with prophets, and, and I think that's where I, I can spend too long sometimes wondering how God's going to make this right, mm -hmm. and I think we just don't do any any service to anyone when we do that. Yeah. We're definitely not lifting our own spirits. Well, it's not like helping us progress. Yeah. You know, like yeah. sometimes we, who was it, Elder Holland that said we make an idol out of certainty. Yeah, and it's like yeah, sometimes it's better just move on. Yeah. Yeah. Set it on the shelf. I love it. And live your life. I love it. Right? Yeah, what a great discussion about the Beatitudes. Anything else there that you want to touch on? No, I'm just getting so excited about what comes next. Okay, keep going. So then the, then we move past the Beatitudes, and the Savior talks about how they're the salt of the earth, yep. which is great. Mm -hmm. But what I'm even more excited about is when he tells them they're the light of the world. Yeah. Um, right, verse 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15, neither do, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Mm. So then my mind starts going like, "This is awesome!" <laughs> and at the beginning of COVID, there was that song. Oh my heck! This is my country girl coming out. Yeah, I'm please don't judge me. Excited right now. There was a song that came out. Do you guys remember the beginning of COVID when everyone was losing their absolute <laughs> minds and we're like all buying all the flour? I was like 22 and like, I'm going to live off a of flour paste the rest of my no, life. There's no toilet paper and flour. No, Weirdly, like those are the two things. losing their minds. <laughs> and these country artists all came together and wrote this song called Be a Light. And the chorus says, in a world full of hate, be a light. When you do somebody wrong, make it right. Don't hide in the dark. You were born to shine. In a world full of hate, be a light. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, that's really so cool. simple. Very basic rhyme. Yeah. Powerful. Be a light. Be a light. It's that simple. And then, then my brain just kept going. And President Monson had this talk called "Be an Example and a Light," mm. and he quotes Paul's epistle to Timothy and says this: "Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity." 
So then the question really comes up, like, what does it literally mean to be a light? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, I have a visual in my head that I've had for a long time, and, and I've associated it with, with the priesthood uh, for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true for, for all those that, member and non alike, that that are a light to the Savior, that are helping others find Him. Yeah. Um, and it's that I think Heavenly Father looks down on earth, and for those that are uh, th that way, mm -hmm. I, think, I think that He can see them as lights on earth. And maybe there are certain places on earth that have more light, yeah. that, you know, this area of the country that has a significant amount of light compared to other areas of the country or areas of the world. Yeah. Maybe there are just dark places when you look down from the heavens looking for light. Yeah. And, and if that is the way that you could identify light. It reminds me of the song, um, in, it's, it's a men's chorus song, oh. Brightly Beams Our Father's Mercy. Yeah. Right? And I, I, I so hope that in the next hymn book, um, it would be put in as a as everybody a, everybody saying yeah but but i i don't know that we fully understand the meaning of these words obviously there's a lighthouse right yeah uh, the the words are brightly beams our father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore so the father's mercy being the savior is the lighthouse mm -hmm. right and that's where the light comes from but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore well anybody that understands lighthouses would know that the the shore lights are they put the lighthouse out in the middle of the ocean. Okay. And if that was the only light out there, they'd know don't hit that, whatever that <laughs> yeah. is. But if you're trying to get into a harbor, you have to use the, the shore lights to kind of show you where, How to where get the to harbor shore. is, yeah. right? How to get to the Savior. Um, and so the, the chorus is let the lower lights, that's the shore mm -hmm. lights, be burning, send a gleam across the waves, some bore fainting, struggling seamen, you may rescue, you may save. That idea that... Um, that the savior is who's going to save them, who's going to yeah. who's going to rescue them ultimately, but you can be like we talked about the savior himself during his life. He pointed yeah. past himself to God. You point past you to the savior every time you teach a good class. Hopefully, hopefully, right? That's the goal. And, I, and that's something that we're we're counseled about in the institute world is that you can be so. Um, persuasive and you can be so dynamic mm -hmm. that you get followers in your own teaching sphere yeah. and people will only take a class from you and then you go away yep and now what if you've never pointed them past you to the savior and i think that's really important in all of our teaching spheres right whether we're a parent or we're teaching in a sunday school or a relief society or whatever or we're roommate that, yeah right that we're helping somebody else that we don't become so dynamic, or as a missionary, oh yeah, right? That we don't become so dynamic that that's what someone's converted to, yeah. And that we can always point them past us to the lighthouse, yeah, and say that's the light you need. But I can help you find that light. Yeah, I I'm baking up a thought in my okay. mind. I like it. What I continue to yes. think. You keep. Yeah, I'm going to keep thinking. Let me just let me just share the second verse of this. <clears throat> Dark the night of sin has settled. Mm. Loud the angry billows roar. Eager eyes are watching, longing for the lights along the shore. There are people out there looking for those shore lights. They know the Savior. Mm -hmm. They know who He is. They know that big beacon is shining. Yeah. But where do I find safety in the harbor? How do I get into the harbor? That's the lower lights that bring them in. Yeah. So in the gathering, sorry, I just wanted to make sure that, that, that finished that thought, that the gathering that we're doing is really being those lights to help them find safety in the harbor. For sure. Yeah. And when there are those people that are looking, it feels really good when you do the show. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're like so seen and they think you're so awesome. Yeah. 
it feels better. It's hard to believe this, but it feels better when you point them to the Savior. Yeah. Because there are so many blessings from that that it it sometimes feels scary. Yeah. Right? When you're like, I know I can put on a good show. Yeah. And I know they'll listen to me and they'll believe me. Yeah. Sometimes you have to wait longer for those blessings to come when you point them past yourself. Yeah. But oftentimes they are immediate. Well, I think there's something to that too, right? Like he's asking us to be a light. Yeah. I'm definitely not the savior, but I can shine up, right? Yeah. I can glow up my life in front of someone and help them see righteous living looks like this. And then when they come to me and say, teach me, I want to be that same way. You point them right past you to this blinding lighthouse and say, that's it. Yeah. I just have a little portion of that light. Yeah. Right. So third Nephi 18 is like, Gonna give us the tools to do that. Okay. So, thirty five eighteen verse twenty four says, "Therefore, hold up your light that it may shine into the world." Huh. So it still sounds like we're shining, right. but then it says, "Behold, I am the light yeah. which ye shall hold up, that which ye have seen me do." Yeah. Right. Just like we've talked about already today. Behold, ye see mm. that I have prayed unto the Father, and ye have all witnessed. He's like, I've shown you. My yeah. whole moral ministry was you saying, "You're so awesome, Jesus," and I was saying. It's Heavenly Father. And then in verse 25, he says this, And ye see that I have commanded that none of you should go away, but rather have commanded that ye should come unto me, that ye may feel and see. Even so shall ye do unto the world. Hmm. And whosoever breaketh this commandment shall suffer. Hmm. When people come to us, it's more than just to shine our light or to even point them, but to take them right to the Savior and say, Do you feel that? Yeah. That's Jesus. Yeah. Do you see that in your life? That's Jesus. Yeah. If we just point them to the light, they might get lost. Yeah. The sea is a scary place with undertoes and waves that can knock us down. But when we experience the Savior and not just show someone, that's yeah. different. Yeah, that's really powerful. I like that. It, it, it reminds me of how the Savior being our advocate um, doesn't show the Father our light. Yeah. It's not our light, it's His light, right? Mm -hmm. and, and as long as I'm holding up the light and saying, I have the light, I understand the light, and I'm trying to follow this candle in front of me. Yeah. Right? We, we look at the Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, verse 3, says, listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him. I think when we read this, we usually stop there, and we're like, okay, well, what's an advocate? And we talk <laughs> about the, the law in our court systems, what an advocate does, and it's different yeah. here on earth than what the Savior will do. On earth, those advocates go in and they plead our case based on us. They say, well, Matt, yeah, he stole bread from the grocery store, but he was trying to feed his family. And he's really a good guy and he's never been arrested before. And he's he's my advocate by saying all the good things about me. Yeah, and playing on the emotions of the situation. Right. And so interestingly, in the, in, the, in the courts, we have advocates. And then in our Sunday school class, we talk about those advocates and we think about how Christ is going to stand up for me. But listen to what he says. It says in verse three, listen to him. Yeah. And then we stop, we talk about advocate. We don't actually read what he's going to say. He says this, saying, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin. Look at me. Stop looking at Matt. Look at me. Yeah. Right? Uh, in whom thou wast well pleased, behold the blood of thy son which was shed, the blood of him who thou, thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these, spare Matt, that believes on my name. Yeah. It's not my light. It's not my candle. It's, it's the Savior. Everything that's good in my life comes as a result of being part of our Father in Heaven's group of children on earth, yeah. right? And, and recognizing Him and identifying the Savior in my life, and that light is what I need to shine to other people. Which takes the pressure off of us. Oh, yeah. It's like, I have to see 
and feel and hear the Savior every day. Yeah. That's the only pressure. Yeah. And we can all do that because he, he will make it so easy if you just yeah. try. Yeah, I, and then I like that. all we're doing is holding that up. Yeah. And, and I think he invites us to make it as big as we can, right? Yeah. To, to, to not, I, I don't think he wants us to have our little light on the end of a twig and that's it. Yeah. You know, try to build the fire. Yeah. But, but the fire is always the Savior. He's the source, right? 100%. And, yeah, that's really cool. So thinking about that question, what does it mean to be a light? I started thinking about different reactions I've had to light, right? Or my students. Sure. You like, you've ever had that experience. You turn the lights off in a classroom, you play a video. Yeah. And then you turn the lights on, they're like, oh, Sister yeah. Harvey. <laughs> Sometimes our light's going to be bold like that. And yeah. someone's going to be like, oh, ow. Yeah. It's a little uncomfortable at first. Sure, yeah. Or I love hiking like to the top of a mountain. Okay, I'm not really like that, listeners, but. Um, <laughs> but like. <laughs> but pretend. Pretend, pretend I'm like I'm that. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like super ripped and I climb mountains all the time. Yeah. That's me. I mean, your, I do like mind. to climb them, but not for the climbing aspect, <laughs> right. but to watch the sunrise from the top. Oh, sure. And it is so gentle. Yeah. Like sometimes you for, you miss that it's happening at first because it's so subtle. Yeah. But it is powerful in that it is so beautiful yeah. that it can take your whole breath away. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like when you open the shed in the backyard mm -hmm. and you can only see enough to like step get, in a little bit. Yeah, get yeah. the lawnmower out and then like get out because you're like there might be a bad Pretty guy sure in the other a corner. Monster in the corner right? Yeah, but it sheds light on a one part. Yeah. Light is never subtle. Mm -hmm. It is always true. Yeah. In the sense that it is always what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You have to do something. If you're gonna be a light, it is not a passive activity. Mm -hmm but it will always be what it needs to be if yeah. you just do something. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It reminds me of Elder Bednar. Yeah. He, he has some co cool little two or three minute videos uh, in, a, in a set, and I think uh -huh. it's called Patterns of Light. Yep. And uh, it reminds me of how he, he teaches that, that, that sometimes it comes in those three ways, right? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we don't even recognize it as light because it sounds like my mom's voice. Yeah. Right, and it's reminding me to read my scriptures every day. Mm -hmm. And if... If that's how I hear the light or I see the light that day, okay. Doesn't need to be Jesus sitting in my living room with me reminding me to read my scriptures. Yeah. It can be just my mom's voice, the angel that my mom was to help me remember, right? Yeah. The, the Lord uses whatever light exists in our life and amplifies that, mm -hmm. right? That's cool. I really love that. Thank you. That This has been good. This has been so good. We're halfway through this chapter. And and uh, maybe, is there anything else just to wrap up? Thoughts, final thoughts in this in this chapter? Anything you would want to point us to or just final thoughts you'd have in general? Yeah, I just want to go back to what was taught in 3rd Nephi. Okay. That idea that when we are mm. light, we're doing two things. Mm. We know Jesus and we're holding up that knowledge, that relationship. There's these t-shirts that are getting really big right now online mm -hmm. that say like, ask me about by Jesus mm -hmm. or ask me about Jesus or something along those lines mm -hmm. that I love yeah. because he is so good. Yeah. And it is so sad to me that so many of us are afraid to talk about him yeah. because he, he is everything yeah. and he can change everything for everyone if we just let him. Yeah. You got to know him though. And you can know him by studying, right? The New Testament, it is him. Yeah. It is his mortal ministry every single day. Right. Like, of all the books to read, the Book of Mormon is wonderful and you should read it. And the New Testament is yeah. my favorite. Yeah. I'm not supposed to say that probably, yeah. but it is because we walk with Jesus every day and yeah. he is my best friend. And that's how I came to know him. Right. Was walking with him. Yeah. Like, he was a teenager that had like 
mom, I'm fine, I'm in the temple. And he was way nicer about it than I ever would have been. But he was a teenager. Sure. And he was a young adult. Yeah. And then the second half of that part in 3 Nephi, right? When we hold up Jesus, then we have to bring others in Mm. to our life. Yeah. It's not, it's not like standing on a corner campaigning. We have to love people enough to bring them in and help them see and feel him. Yeah. Being a light is not passive. I just can't say that enough. You have to know people enough to know their life and to know their heart to say, that was Jesus. Yeah. Did you feel him? Yeah, that's really cool. Isn't, isn't, aren't all the Beatitudes then easier? Yeah. If I'm if I'm looking for the light in others, if mm-hmm. I'm willing to share the light that I have, yeah. the beatitudes become default in my life, right? Yeah. I, I think that I think that uh, I love that message. I love that message that that really we can just focus on light. We don't have to get bogged down in all the detailed things that I yeah. should be doing and I fail at. Um, and, and and maybe that leads us just to the last thing I would share is this is the very last verse in this in this chapter, which is one that I think swamps so many people, right? Yeah. It's uh, verse 48, and this is after he's gone through the commandments again, and he's talked about how he's come to fulfill the law, not to remove the law, destroy it. Yeah. But so he's gone through all of this really detailed um, learning, uh, and and then he says at the very end of this, be ye therefore perfect, and Joseph Smith translation would correct that a little bit and say, ye are therefore commanded to be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Here's, an, here's a sign of the Savior pointing past him to the Father, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't include himself here. Yeah. He, he includes only the Father that is a perfect being. Interestingly, and, and I think this is maybe known uh, in Third Nephi when, he, when he's teaching this again, he teaches, be therefore perfect even as your Father and I, I mm-hmm. and, your, and, our, and your Father, right? He includes himself. Well, that's instructive to me because in all of the counsel that he gives us here, in all the yeah. things I could be perfect at, and as perfect as he was, perfect in his life, mm-hmm. he didn't include himself as a perfect being until he had received his resurrected body. Yeah. That gives me hope mm-hmm. that I don't have to be perfect in this life because even Jesus wouldn't have included himself in that group yeah. until he had received the eternal fullness that he was capable of. And that, for you and I, comes through his help. In the, in the judgment and in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. For him, he didn't need help. He had already att- attained that before he came to earth. And so he just needed to have his resurrected body. But, but that takes some weight off of me yeah. to be perfect. I, I just need to be more like the Savior and trust that through him, I can be made perfect. Yeah. And then I, then I don't have to be perfect myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but trust in him and trust the light that he, he offers me that, that I can, I too can be a, a beacon mm-hmm. like him right? yeah. to help others. Becca, thank you. Well, no, share one last you. thought. What, one thing that you would want, you have such a unique position in, in the uh, SNI world, in, in the Institute here. Um, what would you want young adults to just know? And if, they, if you could just say something that, that would sink into their hearts and just stay there, what would that thing be? What would you want them to know mm. or to feel? I have so many thoughts, yeah. but I think of all the things I could say, the Savior knows you and he loves you regardless. Actually, he loves you because <laughs> you are his and you can't take that away no matter what you have done. All he wants you to do is be better tomorrow than you are today. Yeah. And he will do everything it takes to help you do that because he loves you. 
and because he has a plan for you that is distinct and perfect for you that you cannot mess up. You do yeah. not have the power to mess up his plan. Yeah, well said. Like at all. <laughs> you just don't have that kind of power. You're like not I'm that good. so glad you think you have that kind of power, but you don't. Yeah, Neither do I. So right. you're in good company. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of cocky yeah. to say. <laughs> but but we don't have that kind of power. Sure. And the Savior just adores us. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Thank you. This has been so good. There's so much in these chapters to study, and, and uh, you have taken us through, uh, I think, some of the most important things. So thank you for, for your time today, and I look forward to having you back. Thank you. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Talk to you soon. Thank you. See ya. Thank you.